WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. It's 827. I'm Kevin Millard. Thank you for joining me on the program this morning. And thanks to my guest as well, Mark Schultz from the Lake Onalaska Protection and Rehabilitation District. And uh, we're talking about an event coming up later on this month. And uh, Mark, good morning and welcome to the program. Glad to have you uh, back on the program. It's been a while. Thanks for being on the show this morning. Oops. There, there we go. Okay, there we go. Got the uh, right button push. There we are. Welcome to the show this morning. Thanks for being here. Okay. Good enough. Yeah, yeah we got a. We've got a uh, pretty good uh, event coming up here uh, on July 30th at Angry's on Bryce Prairie, and it's a benefit to. Uh, essentially, uh, we're cutting weed weeds on Lake Alaska, so the boat. Boats can get through and get going where they want to go. So, so tell me what I guess. Just you know, I, and we'll talk a little bit more about the, uh, the 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 benefit itself. Tell me a little bit about what is is going on uh, on the lake. What you know, what what is happening on the lake with all this uh, with all this weed growth? Is it just sort of a, a, a sort of a natural thing that's occurring, or is there something that's you know, how is this, you know, just sort of a natural development, Is I guess is maybe the best way to put it? Yeah, it's, it's a natural thing that's occurring. I mean, it's because of what humans have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they built the reservoirs, and the reservoirs capture sediment, and they capture nutrients. And in the last, since 2010, we've had, particularly in 2019, we've had excess precipitation which brings more sediment and more nutrients. So the, the reservoirs, uh, like Lake Alaska, which is part of Pool 7, get shallower. And so um, shallow water, sunshine, warmer temperatures, and you get vegetation growth. So um, the deep holes fill in. Mm-hmm. And so probably, you know, say 30 years ago, there was areas of the lake that didn't get a lot of vegetation. And there still are some, but it's it's well over 50% right now by the time you get to, say, 1st of August. Mm-hmm. And and so if you want to have a, a safe way to, to get to and from, you need to have paths in that vegetation. And so what the Lake District is doing is uh, raising funds to employ a, a weed cutter. Um, and if, when you cut weeds, you can't just cut them and leave them. You've got to take them out of the lake. So, so that uh, requires some pretty uh, sophisticated equipment to do that. I was going to say, it, it, it's, I mean, it, it's, it's basically a, a, a giant rake, if you will, but, you know, for the water, if you will. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, yep. well, it's it's like um, it, it's like you know when you see him cut alfalfa, mm-hmm. and then you have a like a conveyor belt and it conveys it up, conveys it back up, and then you, you either chop it and put it in a box or bale it. And well, what we're doing is they put it on another call it a little barge and they haul it shore. Mm-hmm. And so. 
So, so I guess at, at, at this point, um, you know, how difficult is it to, to navigate the lake right now as, as it is? Um, right now, today, not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our, our um, cool spring really delayed the onset of weed growth quite a bit. But um, each year is different. And we've already done one cutting uh, on the channel that on the, on, on the, on the um, uh, two or three um, different travel routes, mm-hmm. but particularly the one on the north end of the lake. Otherwise, uh, it would have been difficult for boats to navigate that. Uh, the center of the lake's doing pretty good, although it's, it's coming on strong. You know, it doesn't take too long for that vegetation to reach the top and then that's when you have um, problems operating you know a typical outboard motor mm-hmm. and you, know, you got to stop and clean off the prop and you can get the water intakes that cool the motor plugged up and it doesn't take too much you run too long without water going through the motor and you can burn it up pretty fast yeah and, and and so let's uh let's talk a little bit about uh um the uh, the the benefit coming up then uh at uh, uh angry's here on uh, on saturday july 30th uh, so you've got a, a fundraiser coming up um what uh, what'll be happening that day okay so uh at three o'clock on, on the 30th uh, doors doors open up and there's a, a bucket raffle um They'll be taking place at the event, um, and pre- previous to that, we've been selling uh, raffle tickets, mm-hmm. and the and the raffle tickets are uh, twenty bucks a piece. And first prize is a uh, is a pack uh, uh, a ticket to a Packer game, tickets to a Packer game, mm-hmm. and then there's a variety of others. Um, there's a chainsaw. There's a one day rental for. Uh, pontoon boat, uh, other similar sorts of prizes in there. Uh, so if you're if you're a lake user or if you've got a, you know, if you want to get an opportunity and you don't own a own a boat, some of these prizes are pretty nice. You can get out on the lake. Nice, nice. And then uh, also that that day at, at three o'clock, uh, free hot dogs for the kids and. Um, that goes through, and until at at uh, I think it's at five o'clock, uh, we draw for the bucket raffles, and at six o'clock is the drawing for the big raffle, mm-hmm. and then in that evening, then eight o'clock is uh, there's a band entertainment. Um, so Angry's have been very cooperative, uh, really uh, reached out and uh, helped us out. Awesome, awesome. That. Uh... That sounds like a, a a fun way to spend an afternoon and an evening out there. So, not yeah, and, and, and you know, it uh, in 2011, the Lake District did a survey of lake users, not just people that live on the lake, but lake mm-hmm. users, and their one biggest issue uh, was access, and mm-hmm. not just having good boat landings, but being able to get into the backwaters, get out to the river, mm-hmm. and also. Um, the opportunity, you know, to fish, and 
that's really important from the standpoint of tourism because right. uh, a lot of folks come from out of town to get out on the river, and Lake Alaska is a pretty important part of the river. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And 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 didn't really touch on it earlier, but, but uh, you know, obviously this, uh, you know, talking about boating and access too. But we really didn't talk about um, the, you know, the 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 habitat aspect of um, you know all these weeds and, and things like this, and how that affects um, the fishery and you know the the resource itself and how that all will uh, will affect things out there how how you know what do you see as the impact on you know if if something isn't done and and you know obviously for for boats and boating and things like that but you know how will it affect uh, the fish and the fishery out uh, out on the lake well it's it's a combination of, of things not just the vegetation growth vegetation mm-hmm. growth is sort sort of a symptom of, of some of the things that are happening mm-hmm. and recently a report was released um, <clears throat> at a long-term resource monitoring program through the USGS the upper Midwest Environmental Science Center mm-hmm. um, they've been gathering data for well over well over 25 years and <clears throat> essentially what's happening is the reservoirs are getting shallower and shallower and shallower the backwater sloughs, the running sloughs, are getting shallow. <clears throat> and what that's doing is less water in the backwaters, less back water flowing through the backwaters, and more water flowing in the main channel. And mm-hmm. as an aside, <clears throat> that's causing some problems for the barge industry because they're having out- outdraft problems when they get down to, like, say, Lock and Dam 7. Mm-hmm. And it wants to pull the the, the the toe over towards the dam, and not and it becomes a problem to get the uh, the whole rig, the whole barge and the and the and the, the toe into the lock. So, um, and then it, the biggest input of water into into Lake Alaska is through summer shoot, and that delta. A summer shoot where there used to be six feet of water there's now six inches of water wow. and if, if you're looking for habitat for fish um that's not what fish need fish need mm-hmm. you know in, in in a river system like this where you've got portions of it that are like a lake you you need to, for, to overwinter fish you need maybe six or eight, eight feet of water and then mm-hmm. not a lot of flow Okay, mm-hmm. and if you've got everything shallow, um, there's no place for the fish to go, or fewer places for the fish to go. And if you've got <clears throat> less and less, it's what's called cross section. It's how how deep and how how broad mm-hmm. the the areas that the river flows in. If you don't have enough cross section, you're going to have higher current velocities in the places that you do have enough cross-section, and that's not healthy for particularly lake fish like bluegills and bass and stuff to live in in the wintertime. Right. So, Yeah, fish, fish that, that normally live in a, in a, in a more of a, a, a low to sort of no-flow 
habitat. In the wintertime. Yeah. In the wintertime. Yeah. 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 So, also, the whole um, complex of habitat that is used to support fish, because you've got to have habitat for benthic organisms on the bottom, and those are the insects that, like mayflies that hatch out. Mm-hmm. You've got to have areas where you can have small uh, forage fish, like uh, emerald shiners or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And what the report showed is that the uh, amount of forage fish has gone down uh, significantly. And that's the fish that the game fish, northern bass, all the other larger fish live on. <clears throat> so, essentially, that's not a good trend when it comes to keeping a good fishery. Mm-hmm. And then finally, if you have a giant weed bed, yeah. vegetation makes oxygen in the daytime, but at night they use oxygen and give off CO2. And it's a natural process, okay? But if they give off enough CO2 and use enough oxygen, if the vegetation is thick enough and there aren't areas in it that are open water, then there's no place for the fish to spend the night, so to speak. So you have less habitat over time to support a fishery. Mm-hmm. At least a diverse fishery where you know, like you've right. got over 100, 100 different species of fish in the river. Yeah, and, and yeah, you lose that habitat and... and... Uh, the place places where they can spend, you know, 24 hours yep. as opposed to just the daylight hours and places like that. Yeah, it's... And then you have that battle between prey and predators. Mm-hmm. And so so what does that vegetation bed do to that that balance? Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it affects but it affects that as well. We're, we're, we're not trying to correct that, that imbalance with the travel channels. Uh, but it does provide areas where there's open water for fish to travel, mm-hmm. as well as boats, kayaks, canoes, paddle boards, pontoon boats, any, you know, mm-hmm. uh, regular uh, runabouts. So, mm-hmm. well, let me let me ask you this too, and 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 if if I'm off base, let me know or whatever. But is it is it Going to be getting to the point here too, and and I know this was uh, done a while ago or whatever. But is it going to be getting to the point at at some point down the road here where uh, it'll be you know necessitate another op- potential where you're going to end up having to to do some dredging out on the lake? Well, yeah, and there's a dredging, island building, backwater. Uh, flow, those kinds of things have all been part of uh, what used to be the Environmental Management Program on the river, which is a federal program. It's now the Mississippi River Restoration Program. Um, And there's a new uh, program called Navigation Ecosystem. Uh, So um, that was all built on the concept of one dollar for nav- for navigation, one dollar for ecosystem, um, and 
those projects, like if you look at Pool 8 and the islands that were built and the areas that were dredged out have created pretty good habitat. But in this river system that's in with reservoirs, those have a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to have to continually maintain. And Lake Alaska hasn't had a project since the first project that built the dredge channels in the islands mm-hmm. in 1989. Right. So we're hoping that we can get some more projects that will maybe – Add to the life of the habitat on Pool Seven. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, I was going to say because you you mentioned that uh, that that one channel where it was six feet and now it's six inches. So I mean, obviously, yeah. there's you know, that's... there's not just one. There's not just one channel. There's right. a lot of channels. Right. And then, when that happens, then the the travel routes mm-hmm. between the river and the backwaters and and the open lake. That's gone. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. That's just it, you. You've just cut off transit areas for effectively for all the fish. You know, it's for fish and people, and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. you know, uh, the other thing is that what's really big is for you know on these on these pools, particularly lower pools, pool nine, pool eight, and pool seven, which the lower part of pool seven is Lake Alaska. Mm-hmm is the deep water, deep water maybe five, six feet, habitat for diving ducks. I was like going to – back. Yeah, and, and that, was, that, that was kind of the next area I was going to try to touch on as well is, was the, the effect it's having on, uh, on waterfowl populations as well because, I, I mean, I, I, you know, that, um, this area certainly sees its, its, its share of, of, you know, waterfowl, you know, migrating through the area here in the uh, – the spring and the and then the fall as well and you know certainly there there are populations here during the rest of the year as well but you know certainly this is a a, a transition area during the the migrate migratory seasons you know certainly yeah it's it's uh, significantly important for several species uh tundra swans mm-hmm. canvasback um puddle ducks other diving ducks like um Scop, and um, so it's critical migration habitat for some of those populations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you've got if you've got good habitat, then you'll have you'll attract the birds. And and uh, we don't have anything that says statistically if there's been any changes. But if you talk to waterfall hunters, they'll say that the waterfall hunting on the river has changed. Um, and flight patterns have changed, mm-hmm. uh, particularly daily patterns back and forth. And we're not sure why that is, but uh, there's probably a connection to habitat. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and and now with the uh, with what you're seeing on the on the lake as well, has that you know has what you're seeing has the the type of of vegetation and growth has that changed as well i mean it, we're, it, we're talking about waterfowl you know and what they're you know the the diving ducks and what they're eating uh you know because i know they they have a specific they're they're looking for specific types of plants that they eat right um, right they have a specific diet that they they look for uh you know are they seeing or are they finding you know different types of of vegetation 
Is, is that changed? Well, it's even more than just vegetation. Um, so in the case of canvasback, in the vegetation side of things, they like vallisneria, mm-hmm. wild celery. Mm-hmm. And there's a tuber that um, sets the stage for the next year. Mm-hmm. Well, in the fall, those tubers have all grown all summer, and they're in the bottom, and the birds can dive down and get them. Um, but there's also areas of open water that may have fingernail clams. So if you get all vegetation and no open water, it's potentially that your fingernail clam population is not as dense as it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have this thing called invasive species. Right. So you get watermelon foil, crispus, that's that curly leaf plant that comes early in the spring. Those are invasive species. And so if they're growing in a spot, you can't get native vegetation to grow in that spot as 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 effectively as well. Mm-hmm. So. so it's that balance. And uh, with the high flows of the last few years, some of the big beds of, veg- of invasive species of, like, say, milfoil and crispus have not been as significant. But... Um, when you get several years in a row where you don't have high flows, and that happens mm-hmm. um, in, over time, then maybe those plants will be ready and, you know, whatever this is in the seed bed in the bottom could take off and eliminate some of the native vegetation. Mm-hmm. And then you've got other backwater emergent vegetation that um, where you've got invasives coming in. So it's it's a... It's a complex system that has uh, a lot of factors that affect it mm-hmm. and then there's zebra mussels yeah that, that, so and, um, and and how much and and and, and forgive, me, for, forgive me for asking and i know we're we're getting kind of off the off the path here a little bit from uh what we were originally talking about here too and and, and you know how bad is the zebra mussel pop problem these days in our area i i i you know um it go, it goes up and down with the zebra mussel population and you know if you're if you're on the main channel you've got zebra mussels attached to hulls of boats and docks and different anything that's solid enough that they can attach themselves to and then they filter the water and, and in some ways, if there's enough of them, they'll eat some of the stuff that something else needs, that's native needs to eat to su- mm-hmm. survive. Um, and so there, that's that balance that you, you kind of, that people always hear about the balance of nature. Well, that's that balance that you need to consider. Um, and then you, it does affect water clarity. So as the zebes take out some of the stuff in the water, the zooplankton, phytoplankton, whatever it is that they're eating, um, then you get more light penetration, you get more vegetation growth. So it's sort of this, it's a circle. Mm-hmm. So, okay. and that's, that's important. Um, so what, the reason we're doing the fundraising locally <clears throat> is that, 
the river is made up of of partners. There's the federal agencies, you know, mm-hmm. Fish and Wildlife Service, Corps of Engineers, USGS, um, even EPA that are, are can and are sources of information and expertise and funds, and and you know, that comes from Congress. And then there's five states, mm-hmm. you know, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois, Missouri, that make up the, the you know the upper river. Sure. And our the area that's affected by the Mississippi River Restoration Program, the Navigation Ecosystem Program, but the states also need to also provide some funding uh, in staff and in uh, resources and in some cases cost share for projects. And so it's time that there are more opportunities for local sources of funds to get to be part of that and that then the more partners you have the less costly it is for each partner mm-hmm. to uh, to bring about a, a program and you get more cooperative participation in the planning process and and in the uh, sure you also have to follow up and do a lot of monitoring to make sure that what you're doing is being mm-hmm. effective Mm-hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, it's not just the actual project itself. It's the before and after as well. That yeah. I'm the, sure. before, the, the before and after is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so. sure it's probably just about as much, it, if if not more work than than the actual <laughs> project itself. From from the agency staff, yeah. Yeah. Because you know they were here before there was any of the programs, and they were mm-hmm. you know doing their management things that they have to do to make sure that the public you know the public domain is protected and has access and we're not getting uh, impacts on that from uh, you know the river is a reflection of its watersheds mm-hmm. and here we sit at lacrosse or on Alaska or Tremplo or you know mm-hmm. and that's a huge watershed. That's yep. all of the Minnesota River, all of the Upper Mississippi River in Minnesota, the Saint Croix River, the Chippewa River, the Black River, and then down below us, the Wisconsin River, the Red River. Uh, each river brings its own um, amount of water and sediment and nutrients into the system, and that's something that's been historical. Only the changes that man has made to the river has affected what kind of, uh, you know, hydrology and aquatic system that we have as well as the kind of, what kind of habitat. And then um, the pools have been an extremely strong influence on waterfall habitats, increased it dramatically. But over the years, it's changed. Mark, unfortunately, I've got to wrap things up here. We've got a, uh, I'm up against time here, and I've got to take a, a break here to, to wrap yep, things yep. up. Mark, again, I appreciate, uh, and and I wish we could we could go longer, but uh, uh, again, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you taking the time. You're welcome to come on any time and um, I, to continue this conversation. And uh, um, again, thank you so much for coming on this morning to uh, to talk about this and. Uh, uh, I certainly want to wish you the best of luck with the uh, the fundraiser coming up here on the uh, on the thirtieth. On thirtieth July, yeah, come on in. Have a, have a good time 
uh, buy a raffle ticket, uh, you know, enjoy yourself, uh, talk to other people about, uh, you know, it should be a, a fun event. Yep, exactly. And and I want to mention, too, beforehand, uh, before I let you go, too, uh, raffle tickets being sold at uh, Schaefer's Boat uh uh, Boat and Bait, Emma's Bait Shop, uh, Angry's Way Out, uh, Island Outdoors, and uh, Red Pines uh, Restaurant until uh, July 29th as well. So uh, you can Correct. Pick, up yep. Your, yep. pick up your raffle tickets early here as well. So well, Yeah, and, but they'll still be available before the drawing at, at, at Angry's. Okay. And uh, we want to thank Angry's a lot for their, their well, hospitality. Again, thank you so much for, uh, for coming on this morning, and uh, have a great weekend. All right, take it easy. Thanks. Right. Thanks again. And uh, that is uh, Mark Schultz from the uh, Lake Onalaska Protection and Rehabilitation District talking about a fundraiser coming up they've got uh, on July 30th. And <laughs> certainly we covered a lot of other topics as well. I've got to take a break. Come back in a moment here to wrap WKTY Outdoors up for this Saturday. Stay tuned. Back in a second here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM.